Hello guys, welcome to Postcast from 7. My name is Fusha. I'm your host and um, I have two of my friends here with me. Uh, hi guys, my name is Dr. Amifu Urichinewa and I'm a med- practitioner. <laughs> she means. <laughs> my name is Fala Jomi and it's nice to be back. I'm a layman in this case. Thank you. Um, today we have an should I say interesting or heartbreaking case to talk about or story to talk about. Um, it's about a teenager named Jessica. She was born in Mexico. Mexico. She was born in Mexico, and she was born with a heart condition called restrictive cardiomyopathy. Um, so. Basically, it was incurable. There was no way to go. There were no two ways about it that we had to get a transplant. So, from cardiomyopathy, that means like heart, right? Okay. So, uh, they said they were living in Mexico. I'm guessing at that time, there was probably, in fact, even in Nigeria till today, they don't still have proper transplant facilities yes okay um so they they stayed in mexico and they needed to go to um america cross the border to america to be able to get her the health care that she did and well they had no choice but to cross the border illegally so they paid smugglers those are professional border crossers like people that smugglers that help people to cross the border illegally. They had to spend so many years to raise $5,000 to smuggle her, along with two of her siblings, to America. So she'll be able to get health care she needed. And it was a very terrible journey, by the way. Um, they were robbed a couple of times because, of course, it's legal and you're exposed to much more terrible things. They robbed a couple of times. They even stole the earrings of Jessica herself, the person that was stole her earrings, and it was just a lot. So um, they finally crossed the border and they crossed into North Carolina. And for a couple of for that time, when they just got into US, they had to stay in a caravan, like a van vehicle, where they just had to stay because they had spent all their money. Number one, trying to get into America, and number two, they robbed. Um, so when they got to America, they met, of course, America. There's always someone that a savior. They met someone that kind of helped them to bring publicity and just you know raise, get them the help they needed, and then. The help they needed, they found it at Duke University Hospital. And as a matter of fact, they were so lucky that they had a particular Dr. James Jaggers because he was a very well-respected surgeon. He was a cardiothoracic, right? And he was, yes, he was respected. After they got into America, they had to place her on the transplant list. They, had, they also had to struggle to raise money for the surgery. And but they had help at this point, some help at this point. So they placed her on the transplant list 
in 2002 May and she had to wait to be able to, you know, get the organs. And she needed two organs, by the way, heart and lung. So um, how long do you think that this, how long do you think to take for someone to, how long do you think someone will wait to get the organ? And what do you think are the surrounding things that would maybe affect them getting the organ? Okay, so here in Nigeria or outside the country? Um, you can do a comparative campaign in Nigeria, you can do outside. Okay, so I don't know what the hell them outside the country looks like. Well, here in Nigeria, so a couple of factors. So first of all, wait, sorry. First of all, do we have like an organ donor or organ donor? Do we have any of those cool things we watch in Grey's Anatomy? Yes, we do. Yes. Okay. I think every health system should. Okay. So yes, um, a couple of factors. So first off, the organ. What do you want? Heart, lung. So it actually depends on what you want. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have the money? Right. How severe is the condition? Okay. Um, do you have one list? Also. So if there's a list, obviously they would arrange it according to how. Where do they get the organs? Are there people that are actively, voluntarily organ donors? Donors in Nigeria. Yeah. Are you an? I've not reached that point in my life where I want to. <laughs> How do you become an organ donor in Nigeria? Um, okay. So I don't know what the process is, but I think first of all it starts with you deciding to be one. Like if a you, registration process. No, no, you starting you yourself saying, mm-hmm. Okay, you know what? When I when I'm gone, I want my organs to be donated or given to so and so person. So it starts with you as an individual. Okay. So obviously there'll be bodies that guide all of this to get caught. I don't know what the policies are. I don't know what okay. protocol is. I think we'll do more research on that and maybe get back to our list. Anyway, yes. so back to the um, event. So, back to the event. So, she was placed on the donor list and she had to wait an entire year before she finally got um, you know, the organs she needed as the heart and a lung Mm-hmm. And then, Dr. Jaggers, at the time he received the phone call that, oh, there's now an organ for her, was not at work, was not in the hospital, was at home. So when he got the call and they were like, oh, they finally found an organ and everything, he just said, are they suitable? Are they suitable for Jessica? And then the donor coordinator, that is the person that links um, the transplant donor, the organ donor to the donee, said yes they were suitable for jessica and he just assumed that they were indeed suitable and he was at home as i earlier said so he did not have the facilities or the opportunity to check med- her medical records or anything like that to see if they were actually suitable for her and to make matters worse usually when they go to the procurement surgeon um, the procurement surgeon is the person that goes to get the organs from the donor um, um, he was basically like a house officer kind of was not <laughs> experienced. He was house officer. <laughs> <laughs> he 
he was not experienced my point actually he was not experienced and everything so when he got there he also did not confirm to check if the donors if the organs were suitable and at the end of the day sadly the organs were not suitable why were they not suitable because the her blood type was type blood group was o and the organs were from an a person And they only discovered this. So they went to, to um, do the surgery. They removed her organs, time for the transplant. Then they only discovered this. So the, the um, transplant started at 4.50 p.m. And they only discovered that it's, she was a different blood group by 10 p.m. That was so many hours. Like, that was like six hours or five hours into the surgery. That was when the lab scientist, the lab technician, noticed that this were no, this was not her blood group. But that by, by that time it was too late and Dr. Jagas had to make a decision, a medical decision, and just decided that it was actually safer and better to continue with the surgery. So what did they do then? They transplanted the wrong blood group irregardless. They finished the surgery basically. And the effect of that started almost immediately because of course and, and there's another thing I think we should ask. What are the like effect or consequences of you getting a wrong blood the wrong blood from someone let's say you're O and then you get A okay so how to explain this now um because sorry because I saw that they had to give her like some immune sorry immunosuppressant yes and a couple of other things like maybe to help fight as like what's the effect okay so i'll try and be i'll try and break it down yes in layman terms so that we you know can understand okay i'll try okay (laughs) so we have different blood groups right Mm -hmm. so we have what we call universal recipients and universal donors so, when we say universal recipients, those are those that have like blood group AB. Mm-hmm. Then universal donors are like those that have like blood group O. Mm-hmm. So it means they can give anybody, right? Yeah. So, but mm-hmm. let's say the AB, that mm-hmm. is the okay, that is the universal recipient. Let's say the universal donor O get AB blood, for example. Yes. So, is it fatal? Can yeah. they die? Yes. Oh, okay. So there's something called um antigens and antibodies, right? Okay. So anti antigens are like things that signal the antibodies to like work. And that's what that way. Right. So now if you get the wrong blood, the antibodies in your body start fighting because it's a foreign body. So you're but, fighting yourself. Your body's fighting itself. Not itself. Yeah, no, no, it's all technically. Okay. It's fighting the invader, like what is coming in. Okay. Right? So in this case now, you said she was blood group O mm-hmm. and she got from A. Yes. So they're using, basically, that's why I said, so her antibodies were obviously reacting to the antigens. Violent. Violent. So they gave her immunosuppressants to suppress her own immune system. Okay. She gets, so the reaction doesn't occur, doesn't happen, or it's not as fatal as it would. Okay. I also saw that the, there was ECMO and dialysis. Okay. I, I thought dialysis was like Yeah, but once I think that once the body is fighting, then it's going to some 
bad things will go to the kidney and then you have to flush that out sort of in a, in mm. a layman's term. Oh my god, is that true? That sounds true. <laughs> okay, so yes. Um so what you said when mm-hmm. Dallas is it's not only about basically uh, okay, how do I explain it now? So there are so many things that when you hear dialysis it's not just kidneys. So like mm-hmm. for example, if someone is if someone is poisoned, um snake venom, any toxin basically person also undergo dialysis to like take okay. out those things. Oh. So the kidneys what they do is to help excrete things from your body. Waste. Okay. So now you understand that when her problem was she had restrictive cardiomyopathy. Yeah, what does that mean? So, you, okay. So, in order for your heart to pump out blood, okay. it needs to expand for blood to actually get into it. Right? So, it's like, there's a restriction. So, it doesn't expand? Yes. Okay. So, it, it can't get as few as it would. Now, the heart is not feeling properly. The heart is also not contracting properly, properly to pump out blood. Okay. So your body's not getting enough oxygen. Your body's not getting enough blood. Your cells are not getting enough nutrients. Do you understand? Okay. So now, your organs are not getting enough blood. Blood has oxygen, has nutrients, and all of that for your body to function. Mm-hmm. The kidneys are also not getting blood. They're not getting all of that. Okay. Do you get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So your kidneys begin to shut down. So they are dialysis work of the kidney. Yes. Okay. Okay. Then and for the... Mm-hmm. Um, ECMO. Yeah. So, as a complication of restrictive cardiomyopathy, mm-hmm. let's let's just say blood is not getting to the lungs, cause like you've noticed, it's with just a heart condition, and then yes. all of a sudden, heart and lung transplant. Right. Yes. Yes. Okay. So, <laughs> blood leaves the heart, goes to the lung, goes to the lungs, gets oxygenated, and then comes back to the heart so the heart pumps it to different parts of the body okay change that so now this ECMO what it does is now they take out the blood in your body comes outside so there's like an artificial lung okay. that is going to oxygenate the blood and then send it back to the body so like I'm just thinking of the effect that will have on a teenager so you're under you just had a lung and heart transplant you're undergoing dialysis ECMO and so a couple of other things just on your young body it's a lot yes so I'm guessing that was why. Um. Anyway, let's continue. Let me go back to the story. <laughs> a lot of break-ins. Um. So they decided. So the doctor, seeing that this was a grave and terrible mistake, decided that oh, he was going to um try to get another set of organs for her. Bearing in mind, I took a year to get the first one. But um, the surgery, the bad surgery happened on the 7th of January and by the 19th was when she was able to get another heart and lung. And then they did the second surgery. And funny enough, the second surgery was actually successful and the lung, lungs were working. Her heart too was working properly. So basically, I think at that point, she was even cured of the cardiomyopathy. But sadly, she, um, about two days after, her brain started dying. And they tried, there were a couple of CT scans to check. They did a lot of things, drained fluid from the brain. By the end of the day, she sadly passed away the 20th of February 2003. So, um, 
that's basically the story that that happened to Jessica. So all the struggles that went through to cross the border. Imagine thinking that oh, imagine as a Nigerian, for example, thinking that oh, finally you're able to gather more go abroad and then you meet what you were running away from there. Which I can kind of de- describe as competence. So what do you think um What do you think in a situation like this? Who do you think is to blame for like what happened? Because at every point in time, every other person made an assumption that the other person had checked or the blood. Huh? Okay, like you said, like you rightly said, it's a communication issue. Right, so um, the way the system here in Nigeria is so for the doctors, right? So at the bottom of the food chain, we have house officers. Then from house officers, we have medical officers. Then we have senior reg, sorry, junior reg, senior reg, then consultants. So now I kind of like understand where. The whole assumption card was being played because, for example, now as a house officer, that certain things that you've been expected to do, you have patient. Okay. You check the vitals of the patient. Not necessarily you, like your nurses are kind of like there, but like you have to put them through. Oh, you have to check the vitals of the patient. What's the patient? Has this patient gotten blood? Like those basic things, right? So if I'm reporting to the medical officer, medical officer obviously expects me to have checked all of that. Okay. Now, medical officer is going to report to someone higher than he is, right? So those other people too. There's no way you're going to report to me without checking out the prison. Okay. I think you get my friend say. Yeah. So it's very easy for it's very easy for a consultant to go into the theater and assumes that oh everything okay, is right. Everything is right. Like this patient's um blood group, this patient's PCV, this patient's everything or blood has actually been screened. Okay, yeah. So it's very easy to assume because I mean, understand where the doctor is coming from. You won't call me if you won't yeah. call me and ask if you've actually not checked this thing. Yeah. And there was actually no way for him to check. Okay, someone can say and argue that okay, you know, he was at home. You could have called someone in the hospital or someone in direct contact with Jessica's um people. But then again, he should have. But it's just I won't say he was human right error. Or, yes. I also I also won't say he was right to have assumed, but then again, those are you those are like what went down. I don't know, just like saying you're going in for a transplant surgery. The most basic thing to check for <laughs> the blood type or the blood group and the PCV of patients. And then if there are any diseases or stuff like that. But then that should have even passed through the system already. If there's anything to be worried about. Yes, I'm not even worried about the diseases, honestly, because sometimes they tell you medicine, like if, when I'm going in for surgery, they're like, just as this patient is infected, you get because you're not going to lose anything. But this is a very, you're going for a transplant surgery. How do you not know the patient's blood level? That's all for PCV. And then you don't know the patient's blood group. Like, I don't know, like it's, it's not possible. It's too basic. It's too basic to be missed. And that's why I feel like you would have just assumed that you know, people. So, are you saying that is if line the first person, the first person on the line, that's to blame? Are you saying is the first person that's the 
procurement surgeon, the person that went to inexperienced surgeon that went to get it. Okay, there's this in medicine where you can't blame people under you. You take okay. responsibility for their actions because they report to mm, you. That's true. So the truth is, if ever that person had missed it, mm-hmm. it and was then, your duty. Yes, and if, if you had asked, then yes. ever like, oh my God, we missed it. And then you go back to the basics and make sure that he has gotten it. Yeah, go on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, right. So, um, like I was saying, like, if you had said it, you know, they would have checked. But then everybody just assumed that, I don't know. Just like saying you're going in for CS, cesarean section now, and then you don't know if it's one baby or you're bringing out two babies. Just like, that's just how busy this is. Like, so, yes, I understand where he's coming from. If, if you ask him and he's so like... So, basically, is this is like just unfortunate it's not it's like one never it barely happens like one in a million like mm-hmm. this just sadly happened i don't know what the statistics are i don't know what they are okay but and there's a lot of factors is it that it happens and it's underreported hmm. or yeah that's know. another thing the underreporting so in nigeria for example do you think that this would have even seen the <coughs> light of day because in my opinion, something there's with every surgery, there's always a certain percentage that things work. So let's say on the hospital bed, the surgeon realizes he has made a mistake, closes her up, right? And mm-hmm. they say, oh, sorry, um, complications. Would they ever find out, for example, that let's say he left a surgical blade or knife in her stomach. Would they ever find out in Nigeria once the person is dead? Like, is there a system of checks and balances or like, is it, do you understand? Like, yes, I guess. pretty much. But then again, depends. So, for example, this, um, okay, let me not even use Sorry, this. because even in America, it was only when she died that they actually, you know, reported to the ethics board. But that's how issues are now. It's until something goes wrong before you know, oh, okay, I should have done they think Something went wrong at the point where they gave her the wrong organ. But they didn't report until the point where she was printed. So in Nigeria, I'm thinking that they won't even report it at all. They'll just tell, Madam, sorry, sorry for your loss. It depends. Okay. Because sometimes you have learned families, like people that. Some people that come that. Yes, mm-hmm. people that come to the hospitals, especially parents. And okay. they tell you that, oh, my daughter is a doctor too. So whatever it is they're telling them, they're going to go home and download do their research. For her and tell her. No, not even do their own research. Tell okay. their own daughter that is a doctor. Oh, this is what the doctor said. And okay. Then the- so like another independent opinion. Yes. Okay. So you might tell the family that okay, sorry, your child died, and they'll take like that, and you know, go and mourn and everything. Their families will turn. They'll be like, ah, why? What happened? There's an autopsy. Okay. So it actually depends on the parties involved. So basically, an autopsy would reveal what really happened to the extent that you know that um a wrong um organ was put in place. Let's assume they didn't do the other transplants that put in the right one the wrong one as well, would you be able to tell that it was the wrong organ that was put in place that caused the death of this person? Okay, so um, I'm not I'm not a what, what are they called now? Um, anatomic pathologist, right? But I'll say to a large extent autopsy actually reviews a lot tells you what the body has been through 
So you can actually now say, Tell okay. Her, yeah, it was fighting a wrong blood. Because it's only selling, it was just a complication. What kind of complication? And then the body's telling you something else. So once, um, once it's not just straightforward, you can raise alarm. If that makes sense. So I want to bring this whole situation more into Nigeria, mm-hmm. right? And let's assume, or let's say that, oh, this was just a terrible and unfortunate mistake. So in Nigeria, I'm thinking about how all the um, burdens, constraints, bad working conditions, lack of basic things like even syringes, right? And then you're now blaming the doctor that haven't probably used his touch light to do the transplant. Maybe they don't even have medical records. Maybe the roof was leaking and then water poured on. Is that, is that something that, like, that I think? Sorry. I didn't so basically, mm-hmm. I'm trying to say that, is there, can you say that some of these mistakes would be avoided if there were better conditions of practice? Yes, definitely. Definitely. I mean, for all you know, even if they're done, you know, even if they're screened her properly, I'm mm-hmm. sure they will have actually gotten the right result. But they, they, you know, the hospital's infrastructures were not brilliant. Okay, Um, nothing really. I just feel like I'm not even sure that um, blame is the major con- major issue here. I feel like what's what's the likelihood in even in the court of law that they're going to get damages for what just happened? Is there a way to say that this is definitely the fault of the hospital or this is definitely the fault of a doctor and then damages should be accrued to the person? Okay, so there's usually um, when unfortunate events like happen, you have to bring evidence or some sort of proof that um, this was proof before the court for the cause to award any sort of damages, but especially in medical negligence or medical malpractice cases, there's something called res ipsa loquitur. Res ipsa. It basically means the fact speaks for itself. So in that's one of the exceptions to he who um, asserts must prove. So whether, so all you have to do is, this was a situation that should not have gone wrong. Something went wrong. The chain of causation, you can't prove it. But there's something, something definitely went wrong. Because I remember there was another case where this was a woman that was suffering from postpartum. It's a rest ipsa case. She was suffering from postpartum depression. And she was in care of the nurses and the doctors, everybody. And she went to the last floor and jumped down. So in that case, the fact speaks for itself. Something definitely went wrong, and you whether or not it is your fault, come and answer and explain what went wrong. So I think that is um something that this case. So I won't exactly say this case is. I don't know if it will strictly fall within West Ipsa, but you might also need for that proof in this particular case, like that autopsy you talked about. So yeah, pretty much. So but basically, if, mm-hmm, but actually, if the um, if the doctors are willing to actually say that okay, you know what, we messed up, yes, and all of that, because for them to actually have gone ahead to give anti um, immunosuppressants, yes. it means that something, yes, was and wrong. they know, yes, yes. 
So I actually, yeah, you, you're right. This should, this should actually be a case of rest ipsa. What went wrong? Come and explain yourself. So, pretty much. So damages will be awarded. Yeah, so in this particular case, actually, um, they didn't go as far as court because usually when there's a court matter, it is publicized, it is terrible, it is long and drawn. You have to relieve all the experiences. There's trial. They'll call the mom. She'll probably have to even conf- The lawyers can be terrible. They will ask her how she got into America illegally, things that don't even relate to the uh, matter in her hand. They can talk about how smuggling into the child into America. They can even say that was what caused it. Yeah, yeah so pretty much. So um, in this case, there was no, I won't say there was, there was no court case per se. War, it was like an independent and private settlement they reached with the hospital. And as a matter of fact, we don't even know how much it was. Because initially, Duke University Hospital offered them $4 million as compensation, and they rejected it. Then finally, um, in the course of negotiation, they reached a, um, an agreement, but we don't know exactly how much they finally, uh, they finally got as compensation. Because the records were sealed, and then it was only after that they read that settlement that the settlement was registered court. So it's not a court case per se. It's more of like alternative dispute resolution so um yes pretty much and we don't know how much they were awarded i'm guessing it would probably be more than the initial four million dollars and the money was supposed to go to a charity they opened for her for to you know support and raise awareness and help other people that suffer from cardiomyopathy restrictive cardiomyopathy basically that's interesting yeah all right, this has been an interesting and enlightening. Uh, should I say interesting? This was actually sad. This has been, <laughs> yeah. So I'm glad that we had this conversation. And for the first time, we actually have a medical practitioner. So we're not just, you know, assuming things and not exactly knowing the full meaning of terms and jargons. So I'm very happy that you tuned in. Thank you for listening. I remain your host, Felicia. And I can't wait to do this again. Thank you very much. Bye-bye.